0: planning to be here on the 10th uh, for the uh, Christmas uh, music presentation, a special night of worship, at uh, 6 p.m. in this room. Our choir is working hard to be ready, a full program that night of worship. I promise you're gonna hear the gospel uh, in a very special way, uh, touching a meaningful way and if you bring somebody with you that day uh, I promise you they're gonna hear the gospel. You may know someone in your life who really needs uh, just to be reminded of or to uh, glimpse for the first time the love of God and what it means to be among the people of God. I hope you'll think about and pray about somebody you can invite on that night. I hope you'll be ready to squish in, scrunch in, whatever the right word is. Uh, wear deodorant and uh, get to, get here that night and sit on the front, close in the gaps, use the balcony uh, to make room for those who are gonna be with us that day. Pray for our choir, if you will. Uh, They uh, are undertaking a big thing and it is a spiritual undertaking. And so pray for protection from Satan and difficulty and just that their hearts will be fully ready and for Trey as well uh, for that night uh, to lead us in worship. Uh, That's the 10th and make plans for that, all right? If you will turn in your Bible to Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation chapter two. Revelation is the last book in your Bible, so it's almost all the way on the right side of your Bible. You flip all the way, there won't be many pages left, and you'll be in the book of Revelation. The revelation uh, of Jesus Christ to the Apostle John, or even through the Apostle John, to the churches. Uh, Immediately to the seven churches of Asia Minor, uh, but truly to the, the whole church for all time. This is a message to us, a message of encouragement. We've been going through the seven churches to whom this is addressed. In the beginning of this book the Lord Jesus has a concise message for each of the churches before he undertakes the unfolding of prophecy um, in the rest of this book. And so we have looked at several of these churches already and today we come to the fourth church. Uh, the church at Thyatira, the church at Thyatira. Uh, this is um, a transition point in the book of Reve- Revelation. The, the messages change here a little bit. The, the message to Thyatira is the longest of the letters so far uh, and perhaps the harshest if you want to put it that way. The Lord Jesus is trying to preserve his church and he comes to them sometimes with words of strength And sometimes in this case he comes to them with words of challenge uh, for what they are doing wrong and what they need to correct in order to remain fruitful and effective. I was thinking back to a a widow in my old church that told me the story of when her husband had passed away. Uh, It was an urgent situation where she went uh, into the hospital with him suddenly. His oxygen was low, his blood was low, he needed a transfusion quickly uh, and they asked what is his blood type and she said I don't know his blood type and as they struggled to find the the blood type and to figure this out so they could help him she said she could just see him fading away she, she held his hand by his side she said he was always thinking of others and uh, even in those last moments, he would gaze into her eyes, and with almost a pleading voice, he, he said uh, what, what she thought was the most selfless thing over and over again, she said, be, "He said, "Be positive. Be positive." You get it? That's his blood type. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's cut that out of the video. We all want to um, That's not a true story. Uh, There's times to be positive. Um, This may not have been one of them but uh, this was, there's times to be positive and when we come to the church at Thyatira it it was not necessarily a time to be positive. That was a really failed setup. I I need to, I need to take a deep breath and recover from that. But um, the Lord Jesus comes to them uh, and not that he's not 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 that he wants to hurt them, not that he sets out to strike out at them, but with love he wants to shape this church and remind them of what they've been given in Christ. And so we're gonna look at this um, together and starting in verse 18, the church at Thyatira. This is uh, in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. We have a missionary there today, a missionary to Turkey. we, We don't even call them by name, you know, on our website. Uh, and everywhere else we call them the Weaver family. Uh, We don't have their picture proper because they can't be named or known to be in that place. It's such a dangerous place still. The persecution is so bad still in this place and that's what the Lord is writing into in verse 18. He tells the Apostle John, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. We've heard this before uh, in Revelation chapter one uh, where a full description of the Son of God was given and to each church uh, in each address an introduction is given of the Son of God by a short description that has to do particularly with that church's need. And so today, the Lord segments out this description, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, he says, your love and your faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. That's pretty good. I mean, you would think, hey, we're on a roll here. Verse 20, but I have this against you that you tolerate, the word is tolerate, That woman, Jezebel, was this the real Jezebel? Jezebel was a real biblical figure of the Old Testament. She's introduced us in, I think, 1 Kings chapter 16. Uh, She is a wicked, vile woman. Uh, She hunts down the prophets of God to kill them. She pursues Elijah and torments him, uh, and ultimately is killed herself in the most graphic way of judgment, God brings to her, her flesh and body is eaten by dogs and the prophet uh, pronounces a judgment on her through the word of the Lord and and says Jezebel will be as dung on the face of the ground. The dogs are going to process her and dump her out. That is the, the, the level of wickedness and judgment that God brought upon this woman for her sin And very prominent, it's central to what she was like, but she was sexually immoral. I mean wildly, wickedly uh, sexually immoral. And so this woman in the church of Thyatira is called by that name, a reference by God, but not probably this woman's actual name. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, And is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold I will throw her onto a sickbed." Don't miss the graphic power of what God is saying here. It it almost churns the stomach a little bit. This woman whose activities surround uh, the 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 bedchamber, the Lord Jesus poetically says she wants a bed, I'll throw her onto a sick bed. If this is what she's gonna persist in, I gave her time to repent and now I'm gonna throw her onto a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works and I will strike her children dead." Are these her real children? I think probably no. I think these are spiritual offspring, if you will, followers of her, those whom she uh, metaphorically has, procre- has produced. Uh, the Lord says, I'm going to strike them dead. It sounds harsh to us, doesn't it? But there are New Testament um, principles or New, New Testament precedents uh, for this. If you remember in 2 Corinthians 11, there were those who lost their lives and were sick for mistreating the Lord's table. Remember that? Remember first John chapter five, sixteen, when the, the Lord pronounces, There is a sin that leads to death, or a sin unto death. And most famously you probably remember Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter five, who lied to the Holy Spirit of God in the presence of the, the whole church there, and God in an instant struck them dead. It sounds harsh to our modern ears but the Lord will do what it takes to preserve and to protect his bride. He will protect the church and in this case he says if they don't repent, every opportunity to repent, all love and hope that they will repent, if they don't repent this is going to be the judgment. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. So what was Jezebel teaching? The deep things of Satan. What is sexual immorality? It's a part of the deep things of Satan. To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burdens. Only hold fast what you have until I come. Those of you who aren't in this, those of you who aren't tolerating it, you're helpless in this, you're not decision makers in the church, you're not the ones permitting this or participating in it, hold on, okay? Just hold fast uh, to what you have until I come. To the one, who, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. This is a forecasting Uh, of the eternal reign of the the risen and and returned Lord Jesus Christ in the millennial kingdom and in the eternal kingdom. He is saying here, listen, the one who conquers, who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. He's going to share that authority and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earth and pots are broken into pieces. What kind of authority will these folks share with the risen and returned Lord Jesus? Absolute forever authority, as with earthen pots when they're broken to pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Complex, isn't it? There's a lot in that, but I want us to look quickly and hopefully simply at four warnings for God's people, four warnings today. For the people of God. The first is this beware of a partial view of the Savior. Beware of a partial view of the Savior. Jesus is not the same as when we last encountered him in the Gospels, is he? A dying Savior, a, 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 a wounded Savior on that cross. Here he is in power and in might. He's introduced as the one who is the Son of God. There's been a change, hasn't there? Even a change from chapter 1. In chapter 1 he was called the Son of Man. What does that mean? It means, you know, he became like us. He shares in our suffering. He empathizes with us. Here it's changed to the Son of God. What does that mean? Power, authority, might to do what he pleases. The eyes of flame in chapter 1 signaled compassion to see the people of God in their need. Now they signal the piercing judgment of God. He sees sinfulness within the church. You ever had someone give you what they call the stink eye? You know what the stink eye is? Some of y'all are giving it right now. Uh, (laughs) Stink eye, we used to call it stink eye or mean mugging, that's one thing I heard before. Somebody's giving you the mean mug, mugs like a face and it looks mean. Now, I'm told by my children that the way to say that is if somebody gives you the bombastic side eye, right? Have y'all heard that? Some of you parents? Bomba- it means they're looking at you through the side eye, right? And somehow it's all bombastic, right? I don't know. I don't know what that means. But uh, imagine the flames of fire in the eyes of the Lord Jesus. Imagine what that gaze must have been like. To look at the church at Thyatira and to see what was going on there. That's how he's introduced. The feet of bronze, burnished bronze, that glowing refined bronze in chapter 1 meant the life, the animating life of the church. Now it means that the Lord Jesus is not going to stand still when it comes to sinfulness. The Lord Jesus has changed. There's another side of him that maybe they hadn't anticipated and maybe that we don't anticipate here today. We've become too familiar with the modern renderings of Jesus that we've forgotten that he is a returning and reigning king. I remember my grandfather, I've told you this before, I believe, but we went to a Tennessee football game in Neyland Stadium. He took me there uh, many times. He was big into it. (laughs) They are playing Notre Dame that day, And I'm guessing things weren't going well for Tennessee because we were sitting there, me and him and his buddy named Lester, the three of us, uh, up there in the stands, really way up high, and uh, a little family, nice little, perfect, nice family, just the most gentle-looking folks you've seen, uh, came up to us, but they were wearing Notre Dame colors. And they said, excuse me, sir, would you mind to scoot down a couple seats so our family could stay together and sit together? And I thought, for sure, we're gonna do it, right? That's a nice thing to do. My grandfather's a deacon in this church, loved the Lord. I mean, just a gentle old grandpa, and so he, he stood up, and I thought, yeah, okay, let's stand up. We're moving down. Instead of moving down, he pointed his finger at the man's face, and he said, buddy, these are our seats. I was like, oh my goodness, right? <laughs> That's not what I was expecting, uh, and this may not have been what they were expecting from the Lord Jesus. See, the Lord sees The Lord Jesus sees, and when we're in trouble, praise God that he sees, but sitting here today, if you are in sin, I want you to know if the church is tolerating sin, the Lord sees you. He sees all the way down, and Jeremiah chapter 17 puts it this way, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Hebrews 4, powerful, prevailing, here's what it says, there is no creature, not anyone, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and laid bare. You think of a fish, a, a trout, just <laughs> boom, Just uh, all things are, are naked and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must render account. Our Lord is a seeing Savior. And what this means is that God doesn't only see what we craft and curate to present publicly to his eyes and to the eyes of others. He sees with no barrier directly into the uncovered truth of who we are and into the same truth of who his church is is. Don't lose sight of the full identity of the Son of God as you're walking with him in this world. He sees, he knows, and he has feet for action to a church or to a believer who gives himself over to sin. This is the Lord who sees. Beware of a partial view of the Savior, but next beware of a partially surrendered life. There's a lot of good happening in the Thyatira church, it looks like things are okay, in fact there's five whole traits that are mentioned here of how good they're doing, their works, their love, their faith, their service, their endurance, and all of that is even growing. The latter works, the most recent works are greater than the most distant works. I mean everything looks good but Jesus doesn't spend very much time on this, does he? In the other letters he's unpacked this a little bit more but here He doesn't spend much time because it is all threatened to be negated by sin in the church. It's a setup for him to tell them what he sees that they need to correct and repent of quickly. If this church was on Facebook, it would look so good. They would be so active. Their graphics would be awesome. They'd have mission trips all over the place. We would look at this church on Facebook and we'd say, wow, that's an awesome church. I mean, it looks like a great church. We might even be jealous. I wish our church had some of these things that this church has. But there was a rot in the center, in the heart of this church. We were on a mission, not a mission trip, but a youth camp trip when I was youth pastor. The camp was in South Carolina. We stopped at a mall on the way home to eat. One of the boys named Cooper Lofton came up to me and said, Matthew, is there something on my back? and he said, there's something back there that hurts, and I looked, and it was a little red, and I said, there is something there, you know, and so we got on the bus with everybody, uh, and um, we, he pulled up his shirt, I looked there, and, and we started just examining it. You would not believe the stuff that came out of his back, and I'm telling you, a girl pulled out a camera real quick and started filming it, just like you should do, right? She, she got a picture you wouldn't believe, out of, it, was, it turned out to be a spider bite. He had to go to the dermatologist when he got home. It was a spider bite. Layers upon layers of stuff came out of this. Different consistency, different colors, <laughs> different odors, right? I mean it just came pouring out. Uh, it, 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 my gag reflex activated at one point. You just kind of, oh I can't take this, right? It was awful. Everything looked fine. It didn't look like a bad situation, but there was a lot in there, and in the church at Thyatira, they had a partially surrendered life. Sure, yeah, and this is true. God says that there was love there and works there and faith there and service there and patient endurance there. They had a, a good-looking church on Facebook, but down deep there was something there that was rot, threatened to rot and to decay all that was going on There is a danger, friends, to furnishing a room in our lives for sin to occupy, but for letting it set up there and become a part of us, there is a rot and a festering that takes place. Even if you're living for God, in other ways, when we entertain sin and grow comfortable with sin, there is a rot at the center that works its way out to poison and even to nullify Our other greater works. Do you believe that today? Do do we practice that like we believe that? that? That the sin that we harbor can come out and nullify the other works of our life or the other works of who we are as a church. Open your life fully to God today. Be filled by God alone. Clean out what is in there that needs to be gone. Give him full permission to do it. But thirdly, We have another warning here. Beware of a partial response to evil. All of these, this was a partial church, wasn't it? There was some good, but it was all partial. Their surrender was partial. Their response to evil was partial. There was a big problem at the church of Thyatira, and it was they were tolerating what God condemned. And the word tolerate in the original language doesn't mean tolerate. Uh, We we assign the word tolerate to it in English, but it literally has a very specific meaning to walk away from. They had walked away from something they should have stood up to. You think about a fight maybe, somebody walking away from a a fight, walking away from a challenge. That's what they did. There was action needed, but they took no action. There was a fight to fight, but they would not fight. A lady in our church was at the gas station just a few weeks ago, this is a real story, she was at the gas station, she came and told me, she said, Matthew I was at the gas station and the pump got away from me, I had it on automatic, you know how you can put that little thing there, and she had it on automatic, she said she it it got away from her hand and it started flying all over there on the ground, shooting out gasoline. It ended up shooting out $43 worth of gasoline on the ground, a half a gallon worth, Uh, just kidding, Uh, (laughs) <laughs> but it was $43 worth of gasoline just going all over the place and it was one of our senior adult ladies in the church and she said, the funniest thing, there was people all around and nobody helped me. And then she stopped and she said, there, was me, there were men around pumping gas right up there, just right there, men. I mean there's a lot in that isn't there? Well I mean, boy, we need men of action, we need people of action. But, but in her testimony of that day, She betrayed something that we all sense, that yes, there was people around, there were people around, somebody should have done something, but Matthew, there were men there who did nothing. We have an expectation of ourselves, don't we men? God has an expectation of us men to be people of action. And compassion, to do what's called for when things are tough, when a fight is called for, to be people of proper aggression if necessary, when a response, when action is needed, to be people who rise up. She said, nobody came and helped me So finally the pump cut off. She said, I went in to settle my bill. Sexual immorality is singled out in the Bible as having no business in Christ's church and they did nothing. There was a fight to fight and nobody would do anything. They tolerated it, they walked away from it. I want you to know that the Bible treats sexual immorality differently. Young people, I want you to know this too, because you're going to hear a lot of lies in this world, but the Bible speaks of sexual immorality different from other sins. You say, well no, Matthew, all sins are equal. Okay, there may be a sense that we could have that discussion. But it's really not the sense of, of scripture here. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter five says. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. The apostle writing that is shocked and aghast by this. Is there gossip in the church? Should there be? No, there shouldn't be gossip in the church. I mean, is there, are there other sins? Is there, is there covetousness in the church? Uh, yes, but, and yes, there shouldn't be that. But he says there's actually sexual immorality among you i mean it's a higher standard it doesn't belong in the church not a whisper not a whiff of it ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be once named among you that means it, it ought, people not uh, ought not even be able to say that there probably is that there no reputation for it, no whisper of it. In fact, the NIV says that there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. That's different, isn't it, than other sins? The Bible holds this sin to a different standard. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. What is the response, the godly biblical response to sexual immorality? Don't do it, try not to, flee from it. Get out of there. Flee from sexual immorality. Don't even be near that. It's too powerful. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What was that price? The price of his own blood. So glorify God in your body. And this was present, this sin was present in the church at Thyatira. There's a warning for churches here, protect the purity of the body of Christ. I have a duty, leaders, we have a duty, all of you, we have a duty to protect the purity of the body of Christ. When we see it, not to what? Tolerate it. When the fight comes to us, not to walk away from the fight. When action is needed... Don't be afraid, don't be too timid to take the action. Preserve the purity of the body of Christ. Churches that practice and ordain and unite in marriage and permit all manner of sexual sin are not heeding this warning. And it is a dire warning. But secondly, there's a warning for Christians here. Preserve the purity of your own self. Preserve the purity of your own body. And you may not have a Jezebel, and we may not have that in our church, some lady teaching this stuff. But friends, young people, friends, what, what about when we put those little white things in our ears? We call them earbuds, right? What what who is the false teacher and what is she teaching us then about sinfulness and sexual immorality? If we're honest, there is very little popular common music out there that we can listen to, put in our ears, and not have to be on guard about this matter. Preserve your purity, the purity of the church and the purity of Christians. We do that with what we listen to, with what we put before our eyes, when we minimize or justify or normalize pornography, or when we allow a, a relationship to drift into sinful areas We are not heeding this very serious warning. Don't walk away from that fight. We do not have the liberty to have a different reaction from God's reaction when it comes to sexual sin or any other matter. We do not have the license to have a different heart than the one who purchased us with his own blood. None of this, none of this belongs to us. It is not ours. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. Be, beware of that partial response to evil. Yeah, okay. little sexual immorality. What's that hurt? Lastly, beware of a partial view of victory. God makes a promise here, a surfi- surprisingly graphic promise to all whose faith proves true in the end. This may seem distant and unknown to us, the future things, the millennial kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God, new heavens, new earth, all of this when we will reign with the Lord Jesus. Those of us who have true faith will reign with the Lord Jesus, but it's a very real promise. It's meant to inspire. It's meant for them to be able to hold on just a little longer because of the promise that is to come. And the promises are this, the first is you're gonna reign with the Lord. I mean, you're going to rule with him as with a rod of iron. And just as the Father shares his authority with the Lord Jesus, so the Lord Jesus and the Father are going to dispense their authority among us to rule the nations with a rod of iron as when clay pots are broken. We're going to share in that reign. That's amazing. If you know yourself, you know that's amazing. that The Lord will put you in that position. But secondly, he's going to give to them the morning star. There are many, many opinions about this. Here's what I think. I think that the meaning of this is lost to us. I think ancient ears would have recognized it immediately, but I think it has to do with a symbol of victory. I'm going to give you a symbol of victory. I'm going to give you a symbol of authority. Uh, You're going to possess the morning star. You're going to share in the authority of God. You're going to be certified as His. It's worth it. It's worth it to hang on even when things are hard. My son, Reese, the other day I watched him in the church and he was walking kind of back and forth and I noticed he was going past a group of ladies out in the bridgeway over and over again two or three times. I thought, I wonder what, what is, why is Reeves walking back and forth? I didn't know the answer and didn't have time to ask and later on he came to me, <clears throat> he said, Dad, he said, I walked past a group of old ladies today. <laughs> I said, son we don't have old ladies in our church. Um, <clears throat> No, he said, I walked past a group of old ladies today, he said, and it was the best smell of my life. <laughs> Whoever you were, he likes your perfume, okay? So it was worth it, walking back and forth, it was worth it to get another whiff of the old ladies, right? <laughs> they smelled so good. The Lord closes with a note of encouragement here to say, friends at Thyatira, maybe even Jezebel. Jezebel, if you would repent, oh Jezebel, don't you know the Lord had a heart of love for her? Don't you know? Jezebel, if you would repent, it's gonna be worth it. The rest of y'all who are following her her, her so-called children, those who are fornicating with her and, and, and have, 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 have come into her teaching. If you just repent, I'm going to make it worth it if you just hold on. For those who were there and holding true, even though the whole church seemed to be going the, the wrong direction, guys, just hang in there. It's going to be worth it. I'm going to to make you to be my right hand. I'm going to give you the morning star. I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, this light momentary affliction is preparing or giving way to an eternal weight of glory. It may seem intense, but it's light and momentary compared to the gift God, the promise God is bringing. God has seen to it. He's seen to it that the joy that lies before us, he's seen to it that the rewards both now and in eternity of a lasting life of faith are abundantly worth it. They're worth it, kids, young people, senior adults, they're worth it. When it comes to sexual immorality, that that most powerful but most destructive of temptations, if you want to know why the Bible singles that out, it is so destructive of men and women and families It will decay and eat out your spiritual insides, it it will neutralize and stifle your spiritual growth, it will render you lifeless and dead. It's a powerful temptation if you will stand up to it, if you will fight that fight and not tolerate it, if you'll be different than the world who says it's all normal and okay. He says, listen, there are rewards that you cannot imagine. So much so that they eclipse and overshadow whatever the cost of real faith turns out to be. That's a promise from God. We praise God for it. A few weeks ago, October 7th, a group called Hamas crossed the border from Gaza into Israel proper massacred people, 40 babies beheaded, 40 of them, different houses, different places, not just killed, babies. What if somebody came to us today and said they did 40 babies over there and we said that is evil, it's just evil. I said we'd be okay with 20 though, let's do 20, 20 would be okay. They killed 40 babies over there, chopped off their heads, probably in front of their parents. Well, that's awful. We could go with five, though. Can you imagine that? What would that make us evil? We do not have permission. We do not have permission to take what God says is evil and to spoon out a measure of it into our lives? Well, it's just a little bit, Lord. It's just partial. Surely we can have this much of it. God calls it evil, and we don't have the privilege to call it anything else. Have you grown comfortable with the presence of sin in your life? Listen, I'm not pointing a finger today, and I love you, and God loves you, And God loved that woman, Jezebel, when he wrote this, and he wanted her to repent. But have you grown comfortable with the presence of sin in your life? Have you furnished a room for it to take up residence there? The Lord Jesus was so uncomfortable with it that he gave his life to set you free from it. And today his promise holds true from Ephesians 1 that in in him we can have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses to the measure of the richness of his grace. However rich his grace is, immeasurably rich, is how immeasurable you can be redeemed today and forgiven of your trespasses. 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All of it. To cleanse us from it. The Lord Jesus is able to hear your repentant heart, to forgive you, to heal you, to restore you, and to set your footing straight. Don't be at ease with that for which Christ die don't do it let us live out the reality of our redemption it's real let me pray for us just a moment I'd like to offer you a chance to respond probably a tough day to respond I gave my life to Christ during a sermon on sexual sin sexual sin was not I was what I was responding to but I was responding to the call of the gospel I came anyway, even though I thought people might think you will love me. I had to come to Jesus. If today you need to make a response to Christ, the floor is open for you to do so. I'll pray with you, we'll celebrate with you, we'll stand with you, we'll go with you. We love you. If you need to come and confess sin, if you need to bow the knee for prayer, if you need to seek church membership or baptism, we're here for that too. It may be a day that right there in your seat you have to ponder this on your own And that's okay. If God has called you to a fight today, a fight against sin, don't walk away as a coward. Go with Him. You say, I don't have the strength. He has the strength. Let Him go with you. If God's called you today to action on some front, other than what we've talked about, when you stand up and come today, let it be known. This Savior loves you dearly. I can never, with human language, tell you how much. But I promise you, it goes further than you think. (laughs) God loves you and He wants you. Heavenly Father, thank you today for your kindness to us. Thank you for the cross of Calvary that allows us to know for sure that you want to forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Father, help your church to be courageous and pure, wanting to follow you in every way. Father, if there's sin in our life here today. I pray, God, that you will root it out; that you will bring confession into them, repentance, Lord, that you will turn their lives from it, that you will grant them deliverance and victory over what has held them for so long. And I pray for our church that you will always help us to hold the Word of God in such high esteem that we will not turn from it, and we will fight the fights you call us to fight, no matter the cost, knowing the weight of glory ahead promised to us the Lord Jesus is real and coming. We thank you for that in his name only.